You are listening to the Lima Community Church Podcast. The following was recorded at Lima Community Church of the Nazarene in Lima, Ohio. Great to see you today. I'm not speaking. I want to introduce the speaker because this is a really special day for me as we bring on Pastor Justin and Emily. Hey, would you guys stand up just so you kind of know who Emily is also? Can we welcome them to the Lima community? Justin is someone that I've served with for a number of years, uh, over the years. And so I already know and I'm so confident in what God is planning for us through his ministry here. Um, it's just, it's pretty cool how God has begun to bring us together. Justin is a student of the word. You'll find that out very quickly. He loves people and he is committed to the mission of helping us all grow in Christ and living for Christ in this world. And so you'll find that out quickly. In fact, my intro for him is just give him some time, get to know him, and you'll know what I'm talking about. That's kind of the best intro, right? Just give him some time, and you'll know what I'm talking about. And so I'm just excited. Would you welcome Pastor Justin to the stage, throwing him right into the fire on his first Sunday as he shares the word. Well, good morning, church. Uh, If you are new here, if this is your first or second Sunday visiting Lima community and you're a little nervous with clammy hands and meeting all these people, I cannot relate with that at all. Um, You know, this this past week I was here just briefly uh, one day and I was sitting in a staff meeting and I met Justin Lewis who is the director of facilities and we are sitting there as a staff navigating well what are we going to do with the similar names we got Justin Lewis Justin Braun what should we call you guys well for me it, it was pretty simple it's very apparent that one of us is Justin the man and the other is Justin the boy um <laughs> And if you're still confused, just take note of this. One of us shaved last month, and I don't think the other one shaved in the last month. So just be aware of that. This is good, guys. You're laughing at my jokes. We're getting to know each other. It's loose and relaxed. I am not nervous in the slightest. Right. Um, Hey, when I was growing up, uh, my family and I, we, we loved pranks pulling pranks on one another. We love joking and jabbing and jesting. Um, You'll probably see me pull a few pranks on Chip just because that's the relationship I have with him. And growing up, we were not only uh, a family that joked and jabbed and prodded one another, but we were also a sports family, which means that we were very competitive, which means trash talk was just another love language of ours. Well, one particular day, uh, a, a good buddy, my best buddy, and my dad and I were out golfing. And the relationship that I have with my dad is one of trash talk, of just letting him have it. Because the fact is, growing up, my dad was always the number one person we desired to beat. And so when it comes to being out in the golf course with my father, I just wanted to make sure that he knew where I stood with him. And that was via the form of trash talk. Well, eventually, after a, a few holes, my buddy looks at me and he says, hey, why are, you, why are you talking to your dad like that? 
And it caught me off guard. You see, the reason he was asking was because he was seeing my actions and my words towards my father as disrespectful. And he was truly being sincere. He was being a good friend. He was kind of calling me out for my actions in a very gracious way. Hey, why are you disrespecting your dad like that? Well, this took me aback. I I paused and immediately in this moment, I was filled with doubts and insecurity about my relationship with my father. Had I crossed a line with him? Had I gone too far? Had I offended my dad to the point in time where my friend felt the need to call me out for it? Well, this doubt and insecurity, this fear that I had about my relationship with my dad, it lasted for just a little bit before I needed to talk to him. And so while my friend, who was a good golfer, was out on the fairway, I'm sure, and I was probably over in a bunker somewhere, um, and my dad was with me, I, I found that moment to talk to him asking him, Dad, did I, did I cross a line? Did I go too far? Where do we stand right now? And my dad, he, he is a jokester. He loves to joke. He loves to prod. He loves to give it right back to us. But in this moment, he didn't do that. He took advantage of this moment, and he let me know in that moment, hey, you and I, our relationship is steadfast. The nature of our relationship is one of joking. And in that moment, he reassured me. He gave me the the knowledge that I needed. Hey, no matter what, we are good. And I'm gonna love you. I'm gonna pour my love onto you. There's nothing you could say or do or whatever that would separate my love from you. And he took that moment and it was beautiful. And I enjoyed the rest of golf, not because I'm a good golfer, but because I had this rest. I could rest knowing that I didn't cross the line, one. And two, even if I had, my dad, he loves me. And it was good. I was able to rest in the knowledge of where I stood with my father. Friends, so often in our walks with our heavenly father, so often in our walks with God, we have seasons of doubt, uncertainty, insecurity of where we stand with him. We often question if we're saying the right thing, doing the right thing, even if we're feeling the right thing. Oftentimes, it's maybe our our lack of desire to pursue God, which brings on guilt and shame. Like, what am I supposed to do? I don't don't have this overarching. Everyone else seems to want to know God. I don't want to know God in this moment. Sometimes it's we have all the questions for God. God, how could you do this? How could you do this? Why did you let this happen? I can't believe you let this go on and on and on in my life. We have all these questions for him. And these questions, they bring guilt and shame. We don't know how to deal with this because we are insecure and we're doubtful and we're unsure of where we stand with God. It's not restful at all. It's distressing and overwhelming. Rest evades us. Friends, today and next week, as we dive into this short mini-series of what it is to have bold prayer, I hope, I hope that we can dive into Scripture and answer this one question, especially today. The one question being, what must be in our life to be at rest in love of God, in the love of God? What must we keep in our life, have a part of the foundation of who we are so that we can continue to experience victorious rest in the love of God, day in, day out, regardless of the highs and lows of our life?
what must be a part of our life to rest in the love of God. We're going to be in 1 John today, and these are going to be our anchoring verses. 1 John chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. You see, John's epistle is all about helping us identify and live into and live from this rest that we all desperately desire with God. And today we're going to read just a small portion of that to identify what is John helping us discover to be a part of our lives so that rest can be a part of our life. Join me today. 1 John chapter 5, starting in verse 13. He says this, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Friends, in the very, as John is concluding this epistle, this letter, he's essentially reminding us, hey, the real reason, the full reason, the, the only reason that I am writing any of this to you he says it right there in verse 13. So that you may know you have eternal life. If you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, in this moment, you have eternal life. That's why I'm writing any of this. It's as if he's that, that, that cool, calm, collected, older, wiser friend who, when life is going nutso, he comes in and says, hey, chill out, guys. And remember... You have eternal life with God. When you're full of doubt and insecurity, when you're full of uncertainty and under, or, or lacking an understanding of where you stand with God, he's saying, hey, I'm writing this so that you would know where you stand with God, that you have eternal life. Earlier in this epistle, in 1 John, he goes on and even tells us, hey, even when you fall into temptation, when you sin, God is there with you, hoping to make his love perfect in you. He desires, and he has, and he's going to forgive you. Should you just go to him before you let things go to all haywire? Know and remember, you have eternal life with him. You see, all throughout this epistle, John actually writes, that you may know. That you may know. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, why? Why does John so desperately want us to know that we have eternal life? Well, first and foremost, this is the heart and the desire of God for each and every one of us. God does not want us to leave us in the state of questioning or ambiguity as to how we stand with him. He desires us to know factual knowledge, object, objective knowledge, that we have eternal life, that we are in relationship with him because what is eternal life? Friends, I'm here to tell you that eternal life does not begin simply because we die and we're up in the clouds somewhere with wings and halos. Eternal life is life with God. And if we have placed our faith in our Savior, who is our Lord Jesus Christ, then in this moment we have life with God, which means eternal life begins today. It begins now. It is here, gifted to us presently. 
And so when we wonder, why is John hitting this mark so often? Why does he want us to know this so bad? Well, friends, it's because there is nothing greater, nothing more important, nothing more deeper than knowing that we have a relationship with God available to us today. In highs and lows and seasons of chaos, John wants us to know that there is something that transcends it all. It is eternal life with God. Friends, after my buddy questioned me, hey, aren't you disrespecting your dad? Doubt, insecurity, and fear crept into my life. Just momentarily. Maybe a few holes of me sitting in the golf cart wondering, what have I done? Have I ruined my relationship with God? But the thing is, it didn't last forever. Because here's what my dad has done for me throughout my entire life. He has constantly reassured me that no matter what happens, I can come to him and seek out his love and he will pour it and lavish it on to me. And so even though doubt and and fear and uncertainty were in my life, eventually I had to come to the realization, why don't I just go to my dad and talk to him? Because I had the knowledge of where I stood with him. He had made it known for years of my life that he loves me, he loves me, he loves me. This knowledge is what then gave me the rest. It gave me the freedom to then go and talk to him. Hey, dad, have I offended you? And here's what the beautiful thing is. Even if I had offended him, even if I had done wrong, because let's be honest, this wouldn't have been the first time. Even if I had offended him in this moment, even if I had done wrong against him, he would have still welcomed me, embraced me, and he would have reassured me and told me there is nothing on this world that I could do to separate me from his love. And he would have disciplined me and gently course corrected me, but he would have done it in his embrace. Friends, it's this assurance that we have with God. It's this assurance of him constantly telling us, reminding us, hey, you have relationship with me. You have life with me. You have eternal life today. No matter the highs, no matter the lows, this is the assurance I give you. And it's this assurance that then gives you and I rest today, victorious rest, peace that we cannot understand. Friends, here's what the kicker is. Here's the most amazing aspect of this, is that this rest that we have, that is being reminded us to us today, this assurance of having eternal life, It is the same assurance that Christ had in every step of his ministry. We are being told of the assurance of Christ. And when we cling to this, when we cling to the assurance that the same assurance that Christ had, we then become more and more like Christ himself. And therefore we have the rest of Christ himself having the assurance of Christ that John so desperately needs us to understand and be reminded of. Having the assurance of Christ is essential to resting in the love of God in all seasons of life. 
John telling us so that you may know, so that you may know, so that you may know is so critical for us to grasp and take hold of because we then recognize that this is the single most important point of his epistle, that we may know and rest in the assurance of where we stand with our almighty heavenly father and it's in having relationship with him. Having the assurance of Christ is essential to resting in the love of God, despite the highs and lows. Now, before we get into verse 14 and 15, Chip is going to dive into this next week. Talk more specifically about, hey, what happens or how should we approach God with these bold prayers? And what happens when and God doesn't answer or or respond in the way that we hoped or expected. How do we deal with this? Chip will deal with that next week. He's going to wrestle with that. You don't want to miss that. But this week, what I want to do is I want to keep on this point from verse 13 that we may know. You see, friends, the point is, the fact is, we live in a physical world. We live in a physical world, but this here is a spiritual truth, a spiritual reality. Eternal life is a spiritual reality that we are being asked to cling to, to remember, to hang on to. But we are physical beings being trained up in the spiritual world. We are born into the physical, and when we discover God, he then starts bringing us up and sharpening our spiritual senses, if you will. But for the time being, as we grasp hold of this spiritual reality, it can become pretty difficult. Because we all have physical circumstances. We all have things in our life, in and out, highs and lows, bad times and good times. And can, they can often distract us from keeping hold of the assurance of Christ. I mean, how often when our basement is flooding, are we saying, I have eternal life with God, everything's going to be okay? How often when we have a loved one walking through sickness, how often when we, have, when we have chaos in our life, how often when, when everything seems to be going crazy, are we saying, nope, I have eternal life with God. Everything's going to be okay. Yep, 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 yep. It's so difficult to hang on to this assurance. What happens when we have no desire, when we have no feeling? What happens when we are so confused with what's happening around us that we can't take one step into this reality because we just don't know how it's possible? Friends, before we continue with First John, I'd like to take us back to Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. And this is what the author of Hebrews has to say as we address what we should do when everything seems impossible to deal with. Hebrews chapter four, starting in verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Friends, we live in a physical world being trained up in our spiritual senses. And when things are so tough, when things are so, are so chaotic that we can't find the strength to cling to the assurance of Christ, we have Jesus Christ himself. 
You see, friends, we were never meant to cling to the spiritual reality. We were never meant to do it on our own. We need the person of Jesus Christ and his strength and his strength alone so that we can cling to the assurance that we're supposed to be living from. And so all of a sudden, when we have zero desire, when we're full of doubts and uncertainty and fear and insecurity, it's not for us to cling and develop our own strength and work out for ourselves. Yes, 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 I have eternal life. No, 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 no. It's for us to go to the throne of Christ because there is no being, there is no one who ever existed and who is still living to this very moment in time that we can relate with more than Jesus himself. And so when temptations rise, when ambiguity, doubt, and fear come to the surface, when the weight of the world is crushing and the assurance, the knowledge of Christ, of having eternal life, when, when that knowledge that promises to give us rest, when that knowledge is so far away, we don't try to trek through the storm on our own. We don't try to find it on our own. We go right to the throne of God himself. There are no feelings of doubt and fear and temptations that Christ did not experience, we are told. And yet he did not sin. Friends, we need the strength of Christ to cling to the assurance of Christ. We need to confidently, boldly, intentionally approach the throne of Christ in all times. Not good, not bad, alone, but in all times. When things are going to chaos, we rely on the times that we confidently went to the throne of Christ for his strength, his grace, and his mercy. You may say, hey, Justin, um, I know you're on stage, but you're new here. <laughs> you don't know me. You don't know what I'm walking through. You don't know how I feel. And I would say, you're right. I don't know you. I don't know what you're walking through, and I don't know how you feel, but Christ does. Christ does. You see, friends, eternal life is not something that we simply wait to have in the future. It's not something that we're told we're going to achieve or earn or discover a day from now, weeks from now, seasons from now. If we, if we get through this dark season, then we'll discover eternal life. No, 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 no. Eternal life is now because we have life with God now. And so as we continually and confidently approach the throne of grace, we discover God's mercy and grace. We discover God himself, the very source of eternal life, more and more and more. And as we continually go before the throne and discover God more and more and more, it can't help but overflow from our very lives. Friends, we're told in the book of 1 John, that God is in the midst of perfecting his love in us. And as long as we are continually and confidently and boldly approaching his throne, we will continue to learn more and more and more of God so that God's love can be perfected in and through and for us. And it's when God's love is perfected more and more that our insecurities, our doubts, our fears, they begin fleeing 
Friends, living into the present spiritual reality of eternal life. Living into the present spiritual reality of eternal life in this physical world can only happen when we consistently and boldly approach our heavenly Father. We cannot discover the rest of God unless we are pursuing and drawing near and allowing God to work in us consistently, daily, weekly, and season after season. We must boldly approach our God. Friends, imagine with me if I go back to my my trivial story of me on the golf course. You see, this is just a trivial story, but this trivial story actually has far-reaching implications. Imagine with me had I not approached my father on that golf course. After my friend called me out, asked me, hey, aren't you disrespecting your dad? And after the insecurity, the doubts, and the fears crept into my life, imagine had I not gone up to my dad while I was there to address this. Now, you might think, well, Justin, that's just a golf round. What's the big deal? Friends, imagine this with me. I would have stayed and remained just there in the golf court, muttering to myself, trying to work out my own justification, trying to prove to myself that I was in the right standing, that I, I didn't do anything wrong. And not only would my relationship with my dad in that moment be affected, but the whole rest of the golf would have been affected. And if I can't fully enjoy golf, then the way I enjoy the presence of my buddy, that changes as well. So all of a sudden, because I decide not to approach my dad, not only has my relationship with him changed in that moment, but now the relationship with my buddy has changed. And in fact, the whole relationship I have with golf is changed. And then let's fast forward. Let's say I don't approach my dad. And on the ride home, or the next day, or the day following, it's still in the back of my mind. Did I offend my dad? Did I cross a line with my dad? And all of a sudden, I'm not joking with him anymore. And the nature of our relationship has changed. I begin drawing away because I'm afraid that I might do something even greater to harm this relationship. Now my dad, he hasn't moved. And now he's wondering, why is Justin distancing himself? And now the same assurance, the same knowledge that I once had about being, being loved unconditionally by my dad, it is fading more and more away as I draw further and further away from my dad because of one moment on a golf course. Now friends, this is just a physical example. How much more so does the ripple effect become a reality in our lives when we don't approach our heavenly Father? Think about the ramifications for your loved ones, for your family, your coworkers, your colleagues, how you enjoy your life because of the assurance and the knowledge that you have of where you stand with God. If you decide not to boldly approach the Father on a consistent daily, moment-by-moment basis, you begin fading away, and this assurance begins fading away. Now the way that you experience life is different. The way that you interact with those around you is different. Friends, so often we can use prayer as a supplement rather than the foundation. Because prayer is ambiguous. It's mysterious. I mean, we, if someone were to come ask me, hey, you're a pastor, how does prayer work? I, I don't know exactly, but I know that it does. I know that it does because we're told to do it. We're told to approach the throne of God with boldness and confidence. 
But so often, because we are living in a physical world, we look for our physical assurances. We look to our circumstances. Well, if we're having a good day, then we're good. We don't have to keep on praying. Everything's good. Everything's square. Sometimes even, we may even look to the words of a pastor. I, before I get myself in trouble, let me just, I'm not saying no one come and talk to a pastor. I'm not trying to work myself out of a job on day one. But here's what I am saying. Before approaching God in bold, intentional, faithful prayer, oftentimes we'll just say, well, maybe the pastor can inspire me today to make me feel good. And we rely on a physical word through our physical ears to develop these physical feelings inside of us. And we say, well, I'll pray, because that's the thing that good Christians do. I'll pray because, well, it's, it's the obligatory thing to do. And instead of first and foremost approaching the throne of God, we make that our supplement. But the fact is, prayer as a supplement is prayer without faith. It's not truly inviting God to work in and through our lives. We're doing it because we're supposed to do it. And prayer as a supplement is prayer without faith. And prayer without faith is an empty ritualistic practice. From saying thanks for our food and our meals to going to bed at night, when it becomes a supplement, it is simply an empty ritualistic practice, but even in the giving of thanks over our food or going to bed at night, when we approach the throne of God, we know that the grace and mercy of God are at work, sharpening our spiritual senses, giving us the strength of Christ to cling to the assurance of Christ. Friends, the power of bold prayer is not that we can see, feel, or even hear something changing in our lives. The power of prayer isn't that when we get everything that we wanted. The power of bold prayer is knowing. It's knowing that it is giving us the divine strength, the strength of Jesus to cling to the assurance of Jesus. And when we have the assurance of Jesus, we can rest in God victoriously. We abide in the assurance of Christ by boldly approaching the throne of Christ. We cannot have the assurance of Christ or the rest of Christ if we are not going to Jesus Christ. So that we may know. So that we may know. Friends, eternal life is in here, it is in the now. But friends, Emily, my wife, and I, we, uh, we've been married for 11 months. Here's what I've learned about being married for 11 months. I did not know my wife when I married her. Amen. Can anybody attest to that? Amen? Or am I, am I doing it wrong? <laughs> I did not know my wife the way I know her now on the day that I got married to her. How much more so does God invite us to go deeper, to discover more of him on a daily basis? But so often we say, nope, I prayed a prayer. Nope, well, I had that one great feeling that one time 25 years ago. I don't need to keep on going deeper. Friends, you're missing out on eternal life. 
Eternal life is in the now, it is present, and it is a gift so that when we go to the throne of God, his grace and his mercy push us forward to discover more of him so that we may know in every circumstance, bad or good, the assurance of Jesus Christ that we have eternal life. Not tomorrow, not after we die, but we have life with God today so that we may know. And here's the beautiful thing, friends. When we know, we rest. And when we rest, the world sees us at rest. And when the world sees us at rest, they see Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, we become the living, walking, breathing temples that we were always meant to be. So that when, when the world interacts with the resting Justin Braun, they are interacting with the glory of God. Not fully. I'm still flawed. I'm still broken and I still struggle. But when I cling to the assurance of Jesus Christ, that person then gets a small piece of Jesus Christ in the interaction. When we are at rest, it becomes our greatest living testimony of the goodness and the love of God. Bold prayer invites the strength of Christ to help us cling to the assurance of Christ, which then allows us to rest as Christ. What must be a part of our life to experience the rest of God daily, moment by moment, in and out of every season? What must be a part of our life? Bold, confident, intentional prayer. Because prayer without faith is an empty, ritualistic practice, friends. We should be able to go to our God based on his assurance and go to him and maybe it's a course correction that we need. We can go to him so that we can be reminded of, so that we may know we have eternal life. Let us pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we come to you. Lord, we come to you boldly, intentionally, knowing right in this very moment we are engaging with your throne of grace and mercy. Father, I pray for each individual here in this room. I pray for myself. God, would you give us your strength so that even when I don't feel like it, even when I don't desire it, or even when I'm so scared, Lord, that I can come to you, to approach you, to rely on your grace and mercy to keep me going. Father, would you give us all your patience with joy? Would you grant to us all your perseverance? And God, would you go before us holding all things together. Lord, may our very lives experience your rest so that we can then glorify you with everywhere we go. God, we love you. We praise you. It's through the power of your Holy Spirit that we pray this. And it's in the name of your most wonderful son, Jesus Christ, that we say together, amen. Be bold. Approach the throne of God experiences grace and mercy. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, visit limacommunitychurch.com.